Now we know that we should glorify and bless Yahuwah of kings, him who is king over all things, Enoch chapter 63, verse 6. Shalom, everyone, and welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. And we are back on this beautiful and lovely holy day that Yahuwah has blessed us with from the beginning. You know, he gave us a day because he, he said, you know what? It was a task for me to build and create this world in six days. Everything I created, the animals, the beasts of the field and the waters in the air, the land, and then created your mothers and fathers, Adam and Eve. So he's like, I know you guys going to need a rest. I did all of this in six. Y'all don't even do half of what I do. Y'all get, you're going to need uh, a day of rest. So we thank him for giving us a day of rest to knowing what we needed before we even knew ourselves. I am Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is Pastor Richard Washington, my father. We are father and son team with the Science of the Covenant. If you have any questions or comments while this podcast is going on, uh, please feel free to either one, put a message in the chat or a comment in the chat, and we will get to it live. Or you can send us an email uh, at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com, and we will get to your comment and your question on live now if we can't get to it don't be discouraged we will get to it on the next podcast trust me we will get to your comments and your questions uh, as soon as we can and we will do it live so if you notice we've been studying the pastor has been giving us an excellent series as always and we are on part six of the science of the sacrifice tying in Yah's sacrifice to everything that we're dealing with now in this world and what we're dealing with in the past and how it leads to the forgiveness of sins. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to the pastor. So pastor, we are on uh, the science of the sacrifice part six. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you very much boys. What we want to do is <clears throat> follow up on where we left off last week. And that was, we were talking about the two births, two births, and we want to deal with that today. So let's get started. We got a f some ground to cover. Our loving Father, again, we thank you that we can meet again on your Shabbat to be able to discuss pertinent things that can help us to be the better for your kingdom. Bless my hosts. Bless each one who listen. Bless me as I speak. And most of all, bless each one of us that we may be anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit that the words that I speak may be guided by the Spirit, and our ears may be anointed to be able to hear what you have to say, and your message may be anointed that we can be able to follow in the way that you would have us to go. And may our lives be holy and anointed, because we are in a holy and anointed time, that when we finish this day, O Heavenly Father, the full manifestation of your Holy Spirit will have had his way within each of us. In Yeshua's name we do ask it, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, the first text that uh, <clears throat> we want to consider as we continue our, our discourse, I want you to find John chapter 3 and verse 6. And in this part of our discourse, we will concern ourselves with two births. 
we will view them from the standpoint of Adam and Yeshua. We will look at these births in reference. Now, <clears throat> when we consider the fact uh, that the physical birth, this type of birth comes from the human flesh through the reproduction system of the woman. This is the birth which Yeshua spoke of about what he spoke about in John 3, 6. So let's read John 3, 6. And John 3, 6 tells us that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So here we see that Yeshua is talking to Nicodemus and he says, whatsoever is born of the flesh, that is of flesh. So where he says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. When you, when Yah form the body of Adam of the dust of the ground, he was made of a physical composition. However, for Yeshua, he was given this physical composition when he came forth from his mother's womb. Okay, so what we're looking at is both Adam and Yeshua, they were both physical substance. Okay, now with that, what we want to do is to consider the spiritual birth of both Adam and Yeshua. So we want to look at, we looked at the physical birth, now we want to look at the spiritual birth. Now, this type of birth comes from the spirit through the reproduction system of the woman. This is the birth which Yeshua spoke about in John 3, 6. Now, notice what it says in John 3, 6 again. It says, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we already looked at the first part, but the latter part of the verse 6 of John 3, it says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So this particular portion is that which deals with being born of the Spirit. When Elohim formed the body of Adam of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, he was being born of the Spirit. However, for Yeshua, when he came forth from his father, and his mother's womb, he was born of the Spirit. So when we look at these two births, the flesh and the Spirit, they both are significant in this great plan of redemption. Now, when we read verse 6, it said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now here in this uh, text, it speaks concerning the two births, which we have highlighted, which are the physical and the spiritual births. What we want to observe about these two births are the order in which they occur with Adam and with Yeshua. And so with that in mind, we want to turn over to 1 Corinthians. 
we want to look at 1 Corinthians, and we want to go to the 15th chapter of the 1 Corinthians. In that particular chapter, we want to go to verse verses 45 through 49. So let's consider those verses because we're going to do some observation in those verses. Now here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 45 through 49, here's what we are told by the apostle Paul. He said, and so it is written, the first Adam was a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is Adonai from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And verse 49 says, And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So here in this passage of Scripture, it speaks concerning first man and Yeshua. Let us look at these two in the light of them relating to the physical and the spiritual birth. We will refer to this process as a biblical balance, and we will call this biblical balance a spiritual equation. Okay? So we want to look at a spiritual equation. In this equation, we are attempting to point out how one or more components are equated with another, with another set of components. So we want to make some comparisons here because we're going to try to lay out a, an, uh, a scriptural equation. Now, in our passage, it speaks about the first man, Adam, being made a living soul. We know that a soul is made up of both the physical and the spiritual components, respectively, of the soil and the earth and the breath of Yah. Now, let us turn to Genesis chapter 2, and in this portion... We want to look at the components of man. Genesis chapter 2, and we want to look at verse number 7. Now here it says, And Yah Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the Hebrew word for soul is nephish, which has the meaning of an animal soul. In other words, an animal soul in the sense that it was a soul that was inhabited in living creatures. Not that it was an animal, but they call it the animal soul because this is what the spirit was in uh, the living creatures. And so since we are living creatures along with the animals, the insects and the birds and 
and, and, and you know, and so forth. They call it the Nephish, which is an animal spirit. So we are told from our passage, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, when we talk about a quickening spirit, the word quickening or quick, it means life or lively. And so we look at the spirit that Elohim had given, and everything that lives must have the spirit or the breath of Elohim because that is life. In order to be lively, you have to first have life. And so when you talk about the quickening spirit, it's talking about the spirit of life. So let us examine these two Adams separately. We will also make a listing of their attributes. Okay. We want to make a listing of their attributes. We want to look at the first Adam, and then we want to look at the second Adam. Now, we want to have what we call the components chart of the two Adams. Okay, now when we look at, uh, when we go back to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 45 through 49, here's what we observe. Now, the first observation we want to look at, we want to look at the first Adam's components, what he was made out of. And then we'll contrast that with the second Adam's components. Now, according to this text in 1 Corinthians 15, 45-49, it says the first Adam had a living soul, which we call the Nephish. And the Nephish is made out of what? It's made out of the soil of the earth and out of the spirit of Elohim. So the first Adam was a living soul, and he is spoken of as being natural. The first Adam is spoken of as earthly. And then we find the first Adam had the image of the earthly. Okay, so here we have it. A living soul that is natural, earthly, with the image of the earthly. Now, let us look at the second Adam, which is Yeshua. Let, so the second Adam's components are a quickening spirit, spiritual, heavenly, the image of the heavenly. Okay, now let's, let's look at that in, in contrast now. The first Adam had a living soul. The second Adam had a quickening spirit. The first Adam was natural. The second Adam was spiritual. The first Adam was earthly. The second Adam was heavenly. The first Adam had the image of the earthly. The second Adam had the image of the heavenly. Now let us lay out some our spiritual, our scriptural equation for the components relating to the two atoms. Okay, now we're going to look at a, a scriptural equation. And as we look at these spiritual these scriptural equations, the first equation is that the first Adam had a soul that was natural earthly in the image of the earthly, which equals Adam, the father of the flesh. 
Okay. So when we look at the first Adam, that was a soul that was natural, that was earthly, in the image of the earthly, that equal to the Adam, who was the father of the flesh. All flesh comes from Adam, okay? All right, now, the second Adam equation. The second Adam had spirit. It was spiritual, heavenly, image of the heavenly, which equal the father of spirit, the father of spirit, okay? So when we look at the second Adam, the equation is second Adam, spirit plus spiritual plus heavenly plus image of the heavenly equals Adam, the second Adam, which was Yeshua, the father of spirit. Now that we have laid out these components, let us revert back to the question we raised at the start of this study. When we spoke concerning John 3, verse 6, it was in this text that we spoke about two births, respectively, birth which, which were the physical and the spiritual birth. The question we raised had to do with the order of these births from the standpoint of which comes first, the physical birth or the spiritual birth. That's what we want to look at. Which of these births come first, the spiritual or the physical? Okay, let us turn back to the uh, book of John, the third chapter. And in John, the third chapter, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Okay, in the Gospel of John, the Besora, it says in verse 3 of the third chapter, it says, Yeshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time? into his mother's womb and be born. So here in this passage, Yeshua tells Nicodemus that in order to get into the kingdom, he must be born again. Nicodemus replied by saying, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? From this part of their conversation, we can deduce from it that they are at least talking about two births. Now, notice what John 3.3 3 says. It said, And Yeshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. So, so here, in John 3.3, 3, Yeshua says to Nicodemus, you must be born again, suggests strongly that a birth had taken place before. See, when you say something again, then we have to revert back. If you say uh, that you need to be born again, that takes us back to the fact that there must have been a birth before. Because you saying again, so... That was a first birth, 
And then if you're going to be born again, that's going to be the second birth. Moreover, Nicodemus must have also understood <clears throat> that he was talking about two births by his reply to Yeshua. He said, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Yeshua went on to explain to him these two births. Okay, so Nicodemus didn't didn't he wasn't quite on target, but he did know that Yeshua was talking about two births here, and they understood that. Even though Nicodemus, in some aspect of the conversation, didn't get it right. So now, when we look at John chapter three and verse five, notice what it says. Yeshua answered, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water." Okay. And of the spirit. So here, so, so here he says, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Elohim. Now, <clears throat> when we look at that, he's still talking about those births. So in Genesis in, in John 3 5, he said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Yah. The two births are of the water and of the spirit. He speaks about being born of the water and born of the spirit. Let us look at these two births separately. Okay. Now, when we read John chapter 3 and verse 5, we go over it again. Yeshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Elohim. Now, just what is it? that is referencing now just what is it that is referenced to as born of the water we call the water birth baptism let us observe baptism baptism what does it mean to be baptized of water we talked earlier about the physical birth now when we correlate the physical birth with the water rebirth, let's tie them together. Okay, we're talking about the physical birth and the water birth. You got two births there. But we want to tie the physical birth with the water birth and see how they are one and the same. Okay, here in John chapter 3, verse 6, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Okay. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then we go back to verse number four. It said, now Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Okay. So Nicodemus won't know how can he enter the second time into his mother's womb. So in the physical birth, we are talking about the physical body being born. 
This is what Yeshua was speaking about when he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. The fleshly birth is man's first birth. Nicodemus equated the second birth to that of the first birth when he said, can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? The physical birth, which takes place in the mother's womb, do so only once. You can only be born once from your mother's womb. However, the physical birth is accompanied by the water birth, just like the second birth of the spirit, because the physical birth occurs simultaneously with the water birth. They are one birth with two aspects. The physical birth, which comes by way of the water of the mother's womb. This water and physical birth is what Yeshua was referring to when he said to Nicodemus, except a man be born of the water. The physical birth and the water birth are one and the same. So what we're seeing is that the physical birth and the water birth are one and the same. This water in the mother's womb is what surrounds the body of flesh. The second birth, which is the spirit birth, is also accompanied by water. When the body of a person is immersed into a body of water, this is, called, this is what we call being baptized. Even so, in the first physical fleshly birth, the baby in the womb is baptized by the water in the mother's womb. You see, when we talk about the uh, baby being in the mother's womb, the baby in the womb is still in the water. So even in the physical birth, it is accompanied by water, no less than the spiritual birth that is accompanied by water in baptism. So when we look at the physical birth and the water birth, they are one and the same. They go together. So when a woman is carrying a child, she has the water and she has the baby. The baptism of the water and then also the birth of the flesh, they go together. The mother's womb may be looked upon as a baptistry. When you look at the womb of a woman who carries the baby, that womb is also compared to a baptistry. In the physical birth, there is the experience of immersion by water, just like we do in the spiritual birth. At this juxtaposition, let us again look at the order of the physical and the spiritual births as they relate to the first Adam and the second Adam. Okay, let us look at that. Now, for the first Adam, he, he experienced the physical birth first. Now, notice this is talking about Adam, the first man that was created. He experienced a physical birth first, 
and the spiritual birth second. Why was this? It is the first birth that is sinful, causing him to be in need of the second birth to make him righteous. The first birth is a carnal birth that is in need of restoration and deliverance. Therefore, the first Adam came first and yielded to transgression and became subject to evil and death. So for Adam, his first birth was physical and his second was spiritual. Now for the second Adam, he experienced the spiritual birth first and the physical birth second. So we want to look at that. All right. And while we while we are pursuing it, I want us to turn to first second Corinthians. And we want to look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, and we want to look at verse twenty-one. I want you to find that. So, for the second Adam, what we are looking at is that he experienced the spiritual birth first, and the physical birth second. Why was this? It is because the first birth that is righteous causing him to be in need of the second birth to be made sinful. So why is it that he had to be made sinful? Well, he had to be made sinful because Adam was sinful. And if Adam was sinful, in order to save Adam and all of the offspring of Adam, then he had to enter into a sinful body to be able to redeem us. Now, here's what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of Elohim in him. So just as Adam was sinful and in need of being righteous, then Adam, who was carnal, could only become spiritual by being born the second time. But Yeshua, he was first, not like Adam. Adam was first carnal and then spiritual, but Yeshua was spiritual and then carnal. And so when he entered into flesh, he now put himself in a position to save us. So the first birth is a spiritual birth that is sanctified and redemptive. Therefore, the second Adam came first and yielded to, to righteousness and became subject to good and life. So the second Adam, he yielded to the goodness and the righteousness of Elohim. And that led to goodness and life. So for the second Adam, his first birth was spiritual and his second birth was carnal. So for us who are sinful, we are born of the flesh into this world first. And we are born into the kingdom of Elohim the second time in the spirit. 
So when we come forth, like Nicodemus, we are first carnal, and then when we discover the sacrifice that was made for us, and we accept that sacrifice, then we become the spiritual. So we have the carnal first, and then the spiritual. So for Yeshua, who is righteous, he is born of the Spirit into the kingdom of Yah the first time, and is born into this world the second time in the flesh. So the order is, we who need to be redeemed, we were born in the flesh first, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us a second birth, then we are spiritual. Just like Yeshua was born first of the Spirit, then secondly of the flesh in order to redeem us, and as a result, he was made sin, but when he conquered sin in sinful flesh, he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned it in the flesh. And as a result, he gives us power over our carnal lives by receiving the baptism by water. And then after the water, the Holy Ghost comes upon us to give us the victory over sin like he did Yeshua. Now, we're going to stop there. In our next discourse, we want to discover how the two births influence our salvation. Father in heaven, we ask that as we observe these two births, we may give way to the second birth, which is the spiritual. Thank you for Yeshua, who was spiritual, righteous and good, but he took on the flesh, which was wicked and evil in order to save us and give us power through the Holy Spirit to overcome these carnal lives of ours. In Yeshua's name we do pray. Amen. 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 Uh, so it's interesting. The first Adam wasn't made in sin, but entered into sin. And the second Adam uh, mm -hmm. was born into sin. And... Mm -hmm. uh, but he never sinned. He never sinned, no. That's what uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 said. He knew no sin, knew no but sin. he entered into sin. Right. So, also, how will we bear the image of the heavenly? Is that something that will happen once in the eternal kingdom, or is that something we can achieve now? Uh, we start the process here. We won't. We won't complete it here. Uh, uh -huh. Let's look at it upon, upon this. Let's look at it uh, this way. Uh, Yeshua, when he was here, he reflected the image of the heavenly. That's okay. when I was showing you in Second uh, Corinthians fifteen uh, forty-five through forty-nine. Uh -huh. He he bore the image of the heavenly, and when we behold him, by beholding the Bible says we become changed. So when we observe Yeshua through the power of the, his Holy Spirit, we'll be able to Im imitate him here on this earth. Okay, now, what? how do you do that? Well, when we accept him, this is what you call justification. Mm -hmm. Okay? Justification is righteousness by faith. And when you talk about righteousness by faith, you're talking about righteousness of Yeshua. And when you accept his righteousness by faith, 
It's like he covers you with his righteousness. So when you look at his righteousness, it is flawless. Mm -hmm. And so when he put his life upon us, when the Father looks at us, he looks at us with all of our faults, but he don't see our faults. Why? Because we are covered with the life of his son. And that's called justification. Righteousness by faith. And then from righteousness by faith, you go on to by you go on, go on to sanctification. Now what is sanctification? Sanctification is daily learning and doing the things that Yeshua did. Mm -hmm. Now justification takes one moment. The, the moment you accept Yeshua, you are you in, in the eyesight of Elohim, the Father, you're okay with him. The moment you accept him, it doesn't take a day, it doesn't take a minute, it doesn't take an hour or a second. The moment you accept him, you said, yeah. "Oh, look, why is that? Because you have accepted the Son." But you don't stop there. You go to sanctification, and when you go to sanctification, you're continuously working on your life. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, you go from justification to sanctification. Mm -hmm. Now, you won't be completely like him until you are changed in the new world, and that's glorification. Glorification means you are now completely perfect physically and spiritually. So you go from justification of accepting his life, sanctification by putting on his life, and glorification by allowing that full life to blossom fully in you without sin, because once you have been redeemed, all sin has been wiped away. In this world, justification and sanctification is in a body that is still sinful, because this is what the Apostle Paul says, he said, the good that I would do, I do not, and that mm. which I would not do, that I do. Why? Mm. He said, because there's two laws in my being. He said, there's the evil and there's the good. And all in this world, we'll be constantly fighting with ourselves of, of whether to do the good thing or the bad thing, whether to yield to the carnal nature or the spiritual nature. And as we continue to struggle and to fight with the power of the Holy Spirit, when the spiritual nature wins out, mm -hmm. it, we still have the evil nature there, because Paul says that when I want to do good, evil pulls me down. Mm -hmm. And when I start going down, I start listening, holding on to the Spirit, and the Spirit pulls me up. And when the Spirit pulls me up, that evil Spirit is going to try to pull me down again. So in this world, it's going to be a constant life, a constant battle, when the warfare with Satan and the evil Spirit, one trying to pull you down, the good Spirit trying to pull you up. Yeah, But when we are out of this world, then once and for all, we'll be glorified. No sin at all. Yeah, that's when the balance, it will be totally balanced. Because I, mm -hmm. just for myself, I know it's a battle between good and evil constantly every single day, going back and forth. Yeah. You know, you mm -hmm. want to do good, but it's always that, that, uh, evil that's trying to attack you to do bad or to go the other route you know it's never mm -hmm. like right in the middle it's going it's like you're on a scale going up and down that's true uh just to reiterate you were saying the first adam uh was a living soul he was natural earthly and in the image of the mm -hmm. earthly and then the second adam of was the a, earth of the earth he was an image of the mm -hmm. earth 
So uh, mm-hmm. saying that he was an image of the earth is basically saying because he was made from the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was of the soil, the ground. As a matter of fact, the name Adam means man from the earth. Man from the earth. Mm-hmm. And the second Adam, which is Yahusha, was a quickening spirit, heavenly, and in the image of heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just one question, too, uh, on the name Adam. If we were to say it in Paleo-Hebrew, will it be Adomah? Uh, Adomah is a woman, or Adomah is is another name for the earth. Okay. See, Adomah, when you put the A-H on the end of a Hebrew word, Uh it makes it feminine. Okay. So when you say say Adomah, you're talking about the woman. Okay. That's, That's the ground. This is why when people talk about the earth, they don't say Father Earth, they say Mother Earth, uh-huh. because he gave birth. Adam came from the soil of the earth, which is the mother. Okay. Yeah. All right. Adamah. Adamah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is Eve the correct name of Eve, or what? Does she have a mm-hmm. different name? What do you mean? Uh, Her name was Shua. Shua. Which we translate in the yeah Shua, which we translate as. Eve in our language, but if you go to the Hebrew, they say Chua, Chua. the mother of the living. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's the mother of all living, yeah. Okay. All right. And with that, we will go into our next segment. Up next is Let's Talk About That. And today in Let's Talk About It, want to talk about the glorifying of Elohim. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you can turn with me, we're going to look at two verses. One verse you're probably not going to have because it's uh, in the Sefer Bible. But if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to Psalms, the 86th chapter, and we're going to look at verse 12, Psalms 86, 12. As you know, David, when he wrote, he glorified Yahuwah a lot in his writings. And this is just one of the verses he glorified Yahuwah. And it reads, I will praise thee, O Yahuwah, my Elohim, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. And in Psalms, the... 155th chapter verse 6 it also reads my soul shall glorify him and exalt him because of all his kindness which he has done and will do unto me it's a wonderful thing to glorify the most high so pastor I want to ask you what happens when we begin to glorify Yahuwah well it's a number of things that happen uh, when we when we glorify him, <clears throat> what it is is glo- what is glory? Uh, glory, I think there's a number of words for glory uh, in the New Testament. They call they call it do a uh, doxology. Doxology. And I think they call it doexa. Okay, uh-huh. and that's where we get our word doxology. Okay. And what does doxology mean? It means the uh, study of his glory, you know. 
So when we have a church program and we say the doxology, uh-huh. uh, the doxology is to bring glory to him. And glory is something that magnifies, lifts up, and extols uh, whatever it is that we are uh, dealing with. And when it comes to Elohim, we glorify him by lifting him up, giving him glory. And when you go get into the uh, the Hebrew understanding of glory, uh-huh. I think the the word uh, I was trying to think of the Hebrew word for glory, uh, but I but I know it means it means something that is heavy. Uh-huh. It means something that is tremendously uh, bright, and it also includes the fact that glory is that which comes out from the being of Elohim. Now, what I, what I want us to do is, I think it's in Psalms, uh, not Psalms, but let us turn to Exodus. Exodus, I believe it's 33. Okay. Let me see. All right, let us turn to Exodus 33. And we want to look at uh, verse, let me see. Uh, we're going to look at verse number, let's look, I believe, in verse 11. It says, And Yah spake unto Moses face to face as a man unto a friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed out of the tabernacle. Okay, let me see. No, that, that's not the one I, I wanted. Let me see. Oh, I think it's down just a little bit lower. Uh, uh, let me see. Okay, let's look at verse 13. He said, Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thou presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goeth with us, so shall be, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So here Moses is talking about uh, Elohim's going with them uh-huh. because he knew if Elohim's with them and when they got their glory, then it would uh, they would not only win the battle, but they would be able uh, to be sustained, and as they as they are sustained, then that glory would do a lot for them. Now there was one king when he went out to battle. The Bible says before he came in contact with his enemy, he put his praise team out there first. He had to leave out out there singing and praising. 
And as they sung and they praised as they were going to battle, uh-huh. Elohim stepped in and fought the battle for them, and they were able to win the battle. So when we talk about giving them praise, honor, and, and all of that, what it does is gives us a trust in him. Moreover, while we are praising him, one of the main things that he does for us is to be fighting for us. As we praise him, mm. he is fighting for us. Wow. And so that was that is one of the greatest benefits of giving praise and honor to Elohim. Just like even if you stop by a policeman in traffic to get a ticket, just start praising Elohim. Just lift up lift up your hands and praise him and just give him praise. You know. And I believe when Yeshua died on the cross, mm-hmm. he had his hands stretched out. And I think the stretched out hands that he had on the cross, no matter how excruciating that pain was, he was saying, I'm praising Yah. Wow. And as he praised Yah, Yah was able to give him the victory through the tomb. So I think one of the greatest blessings, it gives us trust in him. And at the same time, it allows him to fight our battles as we give him praise. So basically, we should be praising him in good and bad situations. Mm-hmm. This is why Job said, he said, uh, Elohim give it and he take it. He said, but bless, bless the name of Elohim. In other bless words, give name. glory, give him glory at all times. Wow. Yeah. Down, if you're up, you give him praise. You're down to give him praise. This is why Shadrach, this is why uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, mm-hmm. before they were put in the fiery furnace, Hey, they were giving praise. And if you look in the apocryphal books, they tell you about the prayer that they prayed. At least one of them, uh-huh. they talk about his prayer that they prayed when they were in the fiery furnace. Look at Daniel. And Daniel praised Elohim three times a day, even though it was a decree that you couldn't couldn't praise him. And it was a death decree if you didn't praise uh, praise first the king. But he praised him anyway. And when he put him in the lions, then he was still praising him. And then. When Cyrus, when, uh, not Cyrus, but Darius, when he called for Daniel the next day, after putting him in the lion's den, he said, were your Elohim able to deliver you? Uh-huh. And Daniel said, he was able to deliver me because I was innocent. He was praising Elohim. So it is through praise that we get deliverance. It is through praise that it helps our trust to be connected with Elohim. Just like during a time of trouble. A lot of people... One of the main things that people think about in time of trouble, mm-hmm. number one, they think about getting guns, yeah, storing up clothes, yeah. But they have they haven't thought about during a time of trouble. The main thing that you need is to store up your praise mm. and to give Him glory. Wow. Because every difficult situation that you are in, you got to give Him the praise, give Him the glory, because He's the one that's going to bring you through. Because your food is going to run out, and your bullets, uh, it's not going to kill everybody. These yeah. things are only temporarily. We're looking for the eternal stuff, and then we're going to look to him and praise in this world and the world to come. So we might as well start praising him here now when we are in difficulty. So when the time of, come, time of trouble come, we won't have in our basement just stored up food, but we have stored up praise so we can be able to trust in him that his spirit can lead us where he wants to lead us. So the main thing that we need to store up is glory and praise to his holy name. We need that. We are not carnal people just subsize on food and clothing. He says, seek first the kingdom of Elohim, and these things will be added. And when we can do that, then we got all of the necessary ingredients to be able to go through the time of trouble by giving them praise and honor. And when we do that, it does something to the kingdom. And then 
when we send the praise up, the blessings come down. Wow. Wow. So we, we need to constantly praise and give him the glory, no matter yeah, what the situation. So many people, that's right. So, so many times we, we get on our knees, we ask Elohim for this, we ask him for that. Mm-hmm. But then when we get it, we don't even return back to him to praise and say, well, I thank you that you gave it to me. We just yeah. pray for it. And when we get it, we go on to the next thing that we want. But wow. you didn't even give him praise for what he did get you. Mm. We have to learn that whatever we ask him for, and he give it to us, we need to come and take time out again to give him praise and a thank offering. Wow. So when, when we do what he asks and we give him the glory, does he give us glory back? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's turn to, uh, let's turn to, let me see. Let's turn to, let me see. Let me see if I can find it here. John, the 17th chapter. Let me see if I can find that. Let me see. It's a, uh, let me see. That's 16. Let me see. Uh, Okay, we want to look at I want to look at a few texts. Here in John the sixteenth chapter in verse uh fourteen it says, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of man and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are man, therefore said I, that he shall take of man and shall show it unto you. So in other words, he is saying here. He, he shall glorify me, okay? When a father glorifies him, mm-hmm. then he can take that glory and help glorify us. Mm. So if we in him, we we can get part of that glory. And so this is why he was praying. This is why I tell people that in Matthew 6 or what he talked about the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. that was not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found here in John chapter 17 where it says, uh, in verse 1, it says, These words spake Yeshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Okay? Uh-huh. So when we, when he glorified, uh, when the son glorified him, he turned around and glorified the son. So when we glorify him, he'll turn around and glorify us. Wow. That's so the, the one, that's one of the greatest studies one can study is about the glory of Elohim. Wow. So uh, we have a couple of questions that was sent in. And mm-hmm. the first one reads, does Adam have a correlation to atom, meaning a source of energy? Uh, well, uh you know, in a way, it does, but uh, but basically, the word uh, atom. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I when I when I when I looked that word up, I think it's primarily in the Greek. I don't know if I, I don't know if they have a Hebrew word that is equivalent to Adam, uh, uh, atom, mm-hmm. in the in what we call the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, uh, let me see if I can uh, kind of pinpoint it. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see. I think that is found. Let me see. In First Corinthians, let me see. I think it's in First Corinthians, uh, chapter. Let me see. Uh, uh, chapter. 
Chapter 15, okay, chapter 15, let me see. Uh, here in, in the, uh, uh, let, let us turn to second, no, first Corinthians, first Corinthians 15, verse uh, 52. That's the text I want, first thing, uh, in first uh, Corinthians uh, 15, 52. Now, what, what what I want you to notice is that when you talk about an Adam, uh -huh. uh, Adam, basically, according to what what we know as an Adam, is considered, according to the uh, the uh, scientific charts, is this that uh, Adam is one of the smallest particles of matter okay mm -hmm. so if it's the smallest part of the uh, of matter they's talking about something that is very very small so if so if it's if if it if it's that that uh small then what we want to look at is w what the hebrew not the hebrew but what the Greek may be saying about this particular instance, okay? Now here it is, right here. Okay, now here we here we have in First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty-two. Now I think this would target your question very keenly. It said, "In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump." For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we sh shall be changed. Okay, now, now what I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, Paul says that the change that we're going to have when Yeshua comes, he says it's going to be in a moment. Uh -huh. Now, I want you to notice that word moment now, because that word moment comes from the Greek word, which means a, a tomo, is spelled a T-O-M-O, -O, Tomo, which we get our word Adam from, okay? okay? Now, what Paul is saying is that in an indivisible or in a, in other words, uh, he is really talking about the fact of an atom of time, and it is the word from which we get our word Adam, along with the expression the expression of twinkling of an eye. Now, while I'm talking to you, you may have flick, you may have uh, 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 what I what might say, twink your eye. Uh -huh. And the time that it took you to twink your eye, those who are dead and those who are living are going to be translated into perfect bodies in an atom of time. Uh -huh. Now, when you talk about an atom of time, I don't know, even know if you can measure that. It's so fast. It's an atom of time. We used to talk about a second of time, mm -hmm. but here it's talking about an atom of time. Now, if you can understand what an atom of time is, you can understand perhaps why when Daniel was in the lion's den and the Hebrews were in the fiery furnace, how Yeshua got there so fast because he can travel faster than an atom of time. And to get there and to be able to get a rescue. So the word Adam here is used as you deal with time. And this phrase points to the extreme 
rapidity with which the change in the bodies of the living saints will take place. Oh. It's going to be so fast. Just blink your eye and it's all done. All of the saints that come forth out of the grave and all of the uh, saints that are living when Yeshua comes, just at a blink of the eye, we're going to look around and see perfect human beings just that fast. Wow. Yeah, so when we talk about uh, Adam is one of the smallest particles. And like I said, I didn't see Adam in the Old Testament, but the word Adam, uh, not Adam, uh, the word Adam, which comes from the word Atoma, where we get the word Adam, but I do not see the connection between the Adam as the Adam as a man and the mm -hmm. atom. Okay. But the but the thing that I can say is that if we look at it from a chemistry standpoint, then we can say that certainly at, uh, certainly Adam had molecules that consisted of atoms that as we know it. Uh -huh. But this one here was dealing with the atom of time, the moment. And they were using it in the sense of the most fastest form of something or the, or the most minutest or the smallest of something. Yeah. But they used the smallest of something here in this passage to relate to time. And I'm pretty sure uh, if it came to chemistry, they could probably relate it to that as well. Oh, okay. And the other question we have is, the Bible says no man has seen Yah at any time. How is it the Bible says Moses spoke to Yah face to face? Well, that's, that's, that's actually uh, a study in itself. But, but when you look at that, uh, uh, there's a number of interpretations uh, about that, because even when Yeshua, uh, let me see, um, I know when he was on earth, I believe he, he, he spoke, uh, I think, to his people. And let me see if I could, um, let me see. Uh, he he spoke to his people somewhat about that. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, well, anyway, let me let me point out this. When it says Moses spoke to him face to face, uh, a lot of times in speaking face to face, may not necessarily mean that. Just like you may see me now, and the way that they perceived it back then. In other words, you can stand in, in front of something and you can say face to face, but if Elohim is clothed in, 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 in light, you may be face to face with him, but you're not really seeing him. You're seeing the afterglow. That's like when Moses says to Elohim, I want to see your glory. Mm -hmm. And Elohim said, you cannot see my glory and live. Mm. And he said, but I, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rocks. And so when he passed over Moses in the cleft of the rocks and Moses looked up, he saw his hand side. Now, let me compare what Moses might have seen. 
Now, if you lower the sun, I mean, you can look at the sun if you want to, but most people, we don't just stand and stare at the sun. But we do know that when the sun goes over and the evening comes, that the sun goes down in the west, uh -huh. and we see the afterglow of the sun. Okay, we just see the rays afterwards, but we don't see the sun when it sets. So it could have been that Moses uh, saw the afterglow of Elohim after he had left, and even though he may have been in his presence, it does not mean that he may have actually seen him. Okay, we do we do know that when he was in a mountain, he came down, and that the people couldn't look at Moses because they were saying, you know, the afterglow of the glory of Elohim was on you, and we can't look upon you because it's too great. So now if, if, the, if his glory was too great for them to look upon Moses, I think Moses, even though he was face-to-face, -face, was he actually looking face-to-face? -face? Was he prostrated or, or, or what? Because when he meet with Elohim, you got to take off your shoes, and they got to be in a worship position, even though you may be in front of him. That's one interpretation. Now, the other interpretation is this. Uh, the other interpretation is that when Yeshua was uh, on earth, he says, uh, no man have uh, seen Elohim, and neither have you heard his voice. Okay, now he said, no man have seen him. Okay, now if he says, no man have seen Elohim, and we say that Moses saw him, was, was Moses actually... Seeing Elohim the Father, or was he really seeing Elohim the Son? Mm. Uh -huh. Okay, now, if Elohim, if Yeshua says no man has seen the Father or heard his voice, then we got two things going here. He was either saying that no man has heard the voice of Elohim or seen his shape. Let's talk about the Father, okay? But possibly, if Moses saw him, he was not seeing the Father; he was seeing the Son. That's one. That's one way to look at it. And another way to look at it is that when Yeshua says, "No man has heard the voice of Elohim or seen him," he could have been saying that back when Elohim gave the covenant at Mount Sinai, you Jews here. You you never heard that voice. Somebody told it to you, and you never saw his shape. You didn't see the father shape, nor did you see the son shape back then, and nor did you hear his voice back then. So one of those interpretations is there, but I believe the main interpretation that I see when he says no man have heard or seen the father, seen seen uh, Yahweh or Yahuwah, is that he was talking about the fact that nobody has ever seen it. Because they were in the Old Testament talking about the Son and not the Father, and nobody had seen the Father. And he says, when Yeshua, when he came, he said, I came to declare him unto you. So what they were looking at in the Old Testament, what Moses saw, was not the Father. He was looking at the Son. Okay, that's, that's my understanding of it. If, that, if that's not sufficient, write it in again, and we'll come at it another way. All right. We want to encourage you, and we thank you for all these wonderful questions because it keeps, we learn more and more as we continue to ask questions. Well, thank you for the two questions that were sent in today. We appreciate them.
So, Pastor, as we get ready to wrap this up, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to close out? Okay. Father, as we've discussed the two births and we're looking forward to really treasuring this second birth, and we thank Yeshua for taking this second birth in the carnal to be able to redeem us from our carnal natures, that he can raise up sons and daughters, O Heavenly Father, that can be prince and princess of the royal kingdom of heaven. So as we go through the rest of this Sabbath, continue to give it the blessing we stand in need, that you can refresh, revitalize, and renew our lives and recreate us in such a way that we can be able to face another week. Thank you for the blessings that you have given us this week and for the way that you have carried us. And as we have been talking about giving you glory, we can't think of any better person to give you glory. And we can just give you glory all through the Shabbat. And as we give you glory, and as we just praise your name, and as we praise you, it doesn't bring you down to us. It brings you, brings us up to you, and you carry us, O Heavenly Father, and be able to restore us. And when you put us back down here on this earth as a matter of speaking, then the blessings, O Heavenly Father, comes down as the glory goes up. So give, continue to give us the glory. Continue to give us all that heaven can give us, that as we walk this earth, O Heavenly Father, we may have the treasures and the riches we need. That even during the time of trouble, O Heavenly Father, we can still praise and lift up your name as they, in days of old, and as a result, you were able to bring them through. So bless us. Bless any of us, O Heavenly Father, who have death of loved ones and those who are sick. Continue to abide with us and give us the things we stand in need. And when you bless us, O Heavenly Father, with the blessings that we have asked for and blessings we didn't ask for, we will return unto you the praise, the honor, and the glory majesty, dominion, glory, and thanks for all of the blessings that you have given us. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it, and for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. And uh, so today, you were dealing with the two births, and mm -hmm. so next week, we'll be on Science of the Sacrifice, part seven, and what have you, do you have what you're going to be giving us for next week? Yeah, I, I was saying that next week, what we want to look at and our next course is how the two births influence our salvation. We need to see how those two births, how they, how they deal with our salvation. That's what we want to look at. How the two births influence our mm -hmm. salvation. Mm -hmm. okay. Right. So you want to come back. You want to tell everybody you know, your friends, family, everyone, Science of the Covenant, every week, every Shabbat at 3 p.m., when you get out of church, if you go to a physical church on your holy Shabbat, you get home, either while you're warming up your food, about to eat, or even while you're eating, turn us on. Tell everybody, turn us on. You just relax in any way. Turn us on. Science of the Covenant on YouTube live at 3 p.m. Let all your friends, family, everyone you know about us, tell them to tune in, 3 o'clock. We only hold you about hour, hour and a half. Not long. Tune in. I one more thing. Also, if you have any questions or comments, uh, even after the podcast is over, it even doesn't even have to do with what the pastor is talking about or what we were talking about. And let's talk about it. If you have any questions as you're reading through the Bible uh, through the week, hey, shoot us an email uh, at science of the covenant at gmail.com. 
And at our next podcast, we are going to deal with your comment or question. That is our podcast for this week. Uh, Please be sure, as I said, tune in every Shabbat at 3 p.m. Tell your friends and family about us. All the paths of Yahuwah are mercy and truth unto such as to keep his covenant and his testimonies. Matthew 25, 10. Until next week, Shalom.